This is Steve Sherlock for Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio. This audio segment is an extract from the town council meeting of September 20th, 2023. This includes the segment for the town administrator's report. His first update provides the migrant status. As he gets into the second and third items, this recording cuts off. Feel free to refer to the YouTube full video of the town council meeting for additional segments before and after. The link will be in the show notes. Okay, moving on. Town Administrator's report. Hi, uh, through Mr. Chairman, so I'm going to go through a few items here. Um, a couple of the ones that are linked on here, I'm not going to go into much detail because the reports speak for themselves, but I'm happy to answer any questions. Uh, so on the first one, as I suggested in the past, I'm going to give a quick update uh, on the migrant housing situation. So um, just a couple points, I'm just going to run through them. Uh, I'm sorry for the stream of consciousness, but there's a lot to get out. Uh, first point I want to make, the National Guard is on site. Um, as we heard, the governor announced that, um, I think, a few weeks ago. Um, there was a short delay at the beginning, but now we now have a member of the National Guard down there um, during the main daytime hours. Um, their responsibilities, by the way, are not public safety. Um, their responsibility really is just um, helping out any way they can within their training, um, but uh, at least that's good news. Um, we are still frustrated that the rapid response team um, uh, or the other state um, nurses, public health officials, transitionary assistance individuals, other state agencies have not uh, been on site at all. They have not been present um, and they have not arrived. Um, but uh, the um, but as all of you would come to expect, and that's hopefully a theme tonight, um, the town of Franklin, uh, to bring the last point earlier, and I think I mentioned it, and everybody else did during the goals. Um, you know, fortunately, we have a community that is uh, has an incredibly strong woven fabric um, between our town staff, our elected officials. Um, nonprofits in the community. Uh, I just want to report to the community, the situation over there is actually relatively very stable. Um, there's still about 35 rooms occupied, about 100 or so people. Um, it's 30 school-aged children. Um, and so uh, I've been over there intermittently, just kind of driving by and want to go check in on things. Um, Kathy Liberty at the Board of Health and Alicia Deptula, uh, Casilla, the Board of Health staff have been nothing short of uh, miraculous. Um, they've been over there every single morning. Um, our public health nurse has been over there um, doing screenings, infectious disease tests, um, doing everything she can. She's a licensed individual, um, so she has been an amazing uh, resource. Um, Kathy uh, has led uh, the charge over there as we all would expect. Um, just given her experience in the pandemic. Um, just like Brigalai, we're very lucky uh, to have Kathy in town. Um, we've built a phenomenal relationship uh, with the hotel manager, Vicki, who also uh, is nothing short of miraculous. Uh, and all the hotel staff over there have done everything they can um, to keep the site uh, as tidy and as orderly and as productive as possible. Um, I wanted to give a shout out. Uh, we've started weekly meetings among all of our staff and stakeholders um, with the groups that we think can have an impact um, right away and, and address the needs, not what we think they need, okay? Not what we think may happen, not the hypothesis, but actually what people need, right? 
Um, this is not a new issue in America, nor in Massachusetts, nor in Boston. We're all familiar with the mass and cast issue. There are, we have experienced, talented organizations in this community who know the 101 and 102 on how to deal with homeless uh, families. Um, and we are very lucky. Um, obviously, the ones that stick out, the Franklin Food Pantry, Tina Powderly and her staff have already been on site. Um, not again to, to try to uh, get food that individuals uh, you know, can't eat or are just very disruptive to their systems, uh, but actually talking to families um, and, and trying to get food and nutrition for those individuals that um, are more applicable for their, for their culture. Um, the food that the state has provided um, is not really the food that is needed. Um, it's generally microwavable meals. Uh, they do not cook fresh meals every day, which is very disappointing, but hopefully in due time um, that will come out. But Tina, uh, as we would all know, uh, and expect from Tina, um, calm, professional, uh, warm, just going over there and getting uh, boxes of fruit uh, and other items. Um, the Safe Coalition, uh, every time I talk to Jen Knight, I uh, am reminded at the level of knowledge that she has of dealing with human service conditions yeah, is, 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 is absolutely unbelievable. Um, and there's sometimes in me when I, when I work with Jen, I say to myself, I never want to lose her, but sometimes I wonder maybe if the state should hire her to run all this uh, yeah. because her knowledge um, of, of individual people, cultures, and what's needed is just absolutely, uh, is almost second to none. Uh, I want to thank uh, Felicia, the library staff, um, who have been providing uh, books uh, and other minor resource, small resources, um, some, um, some uh, infant-led programs um, to make sure that uh, families uh, have a little, a little relaxation uh, to them. And can't thank Felicia enough. The YMCA, Scott, uh, has been a part of our calls. and want to thank them uh, for being a part of it. Uh, we did tap into the Interfaith Coalition. I want to thank Jacob uh, Yunker, as well as Father Bob, pastor at the at St. Mary's Church. We call him Father Bob, at least we call him Father Bob, but it's Father Poitras. Um, and he too, um, uh, with St. Vincent de Paul, a, a big deal um, that I think people haven't really identified at the next level of government is um, faith-based services, um, church, uh, you know, for different denominations. Uh, Father Bob's been able to uh, provide those resources as well as the Interfaith Coalition, as well as uh, food uh, drives for individuals, for the food that people need um, over there. They now have several tables set up with snacks um, and fruit, uh, plantains and other things, oranges that um, are obviously very popular for the folks that live over there. Um, and I want to thank, uh, really quickly, I want to make a mention, because I was asked to, for random smiles. Um, you know, I just want to make uh, clear to everybody, uh, random smiles. Um, does not have the capacity to really assist at the level they need to right now. Um, and they asked me to make sure I conveyed that. But still, when a family reached out to them at first, <laughs> they still went down to Marshalls and got uh, you know, $100 worth of clothes for the family that reached out to them. So even though they're asking um, for any, uh, no more uh, requests, um, <coughs> the, uh, the Interfaith Coalition, uh, as well as I believe the Federated Church will be reached out to. Um, they're now beginning um, at least some uh, coalition of folks to deal with winter clothes coming up um, right around the corner. Um, and I do want to thank Random Smiles and Mark Souza just for stepping in still, um, even without that ability to be able to individually mark 
um, uh, went with his heart and uh, couldn't say no to the one family, so he did what he could. Um, and I do uh, want to give a, a really warm shout out to the superintendent of schools, um, the assistant superintendent, uh, Tina Rogers and Paul Morano, uh, both who have been on site uh, with the full service of the schools to enroll children, evaluate children, go through all the requirements of their state laws about vaccination status, all the different things that are relative to every other student, um, treating them exactly like every other student, um, and getting up early in the morning and riding the bus um, with those kids um, to school um, to make sure that they were safe, comfortable, and were welcomed. Um, the last thing I would mention is um, I, I, I don't think anybody would be surprised to hear um, that this community has come together um, organically um, and with just a little bit of leadership from various folks um, to address this issue. Um, I don't think anyone should be shocked um, that that's the way Franklin runs. And we should all be really grateful and thankful and proud. I also want to give a shout out to the residents in the town who have not tried to overdo it. We talked about this at the last meeting. Some communities, you know, hundreds of people showing up with stuff, um, creating additional burdens and problems, all from the kindness of their hearts. This isn't, but I, I just thank everybody for paying attention to either our releases and our news, the superintendent's news, um, and the Board of Health, um, as well as those other nonprofits. They are doing things that are addressing the needs of the people that are there. The situation is very stable, very safe. Um, there are still some challenges that we're working through. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't thank um, Senator Rausch and uh, Representative Roy for listening to me vent <laughs> this week. Um, it was a whopper of a 10 minutes. People know I can have it every once in a while. Um, I think a lot of local officials are frustrated. Um, but with that has come uh, additional communication from the administration. We have a bi-weekly meeting now uh, for Amy and I to attend uh, with the Lieutenant Governor directly um, to at least communicate back and forth. Uh, it's a little deja vu of the pandemic, to be honest with you, of those calls um, you know, every week or two. But uh, I give the administration credit uh, for trying to pivot a little bit and engage local officials at a deeper level um, to hear, you know, again, directly from us about the actual on-the-ground uh, situations that are happening in each of our communities. We're not trying to project or theorize what's going to come. Um, you know, they've, they've been able to turn that corner, and as we all know, it's been in the news, I think um, the administration has tried to file for more money um, to the legislature, and obviously there'll be um, there'll be some debate that's well out of our court here um, later on. So I just want to thank Rep. Roy, as always, for being available and listening um, and representing Franklin uh, to the best of their ability, and Senator Rush as well, and her staff, uh, for being on that call, um, and being a phenomenal listener, um, not just to my 10-minute vent, but also to Chairman. By the way, it was 16. 16. I, I apologize. I, that's not true. Um, and uh, fine, 16. I'll go 20 minutes on this one. But, uh, but to the few of us that were on our call, thank you very much for them. And thank you for everybody in the community uh, who's stepping up. Um, again, the situation is very stable over there. We're not hearing the same stories from some of the other communities that are involved in this at all. Um, but I would expect nothing less out of Franklin um, for trying to do the right thing. So. Um, with that as a bit of a backdrop, I know we'll do another update in a couple weeks. Hopefully we'll have some more news um, exactly on the financing. Uh, and then second under the TA report, Mr. Chairman, is the Demolition, Demolition Delay uh, Bylaw Report. 
as well as the decommissioning of the Spring Street, both two goals that were on the agenda this year um, that I was frustratingly having a hard time getting to, but um, our assistant uh, for a while, Julie Jacobson, um, always showing up at my door like a, a kid for Christmas. Do we have anything more for me to do? Do anything more for you? So we gave her these projects. Um, these are really fascinating. There's some deep reports in here. For the public at home, really quickly, the demo delay has been something the historical commission has asked for for years, a review of that bylaw. Um, we did go through that entire bylaw with them, as well as the building commissioner, and it came to the consensus that the bylaw is working very well. Um, the historical commission is going to have, I think, some discussions about when to start those demo delays in terms of the year. Um, but we will wait for their uh, correspondence back, and then. Um, the decommission of Spring Street, I know, has gotten a little bit of attention, and thank goodness, it's a fascinating report. It dates back 200 plus years, for those of you Franklinites and townies that really want to go way back generations. Uh, most people do not know Spring Street is a public way. And I know you've tried to drive it, Mr. Chair. God bless you for trying, because you can't, it you can't get through it. <laughs> and the truck got stuck. Well, we just barely made it. <laughs> just barely made it. Spring Street goes from all the way to Washington, all the way over to Milford Regional Hospital on 140. Yeah. Um, don't go in there lightly. <laughs> Please don't. Um, it, it, is a, it is a treacherous hike. Uh, it is not easy. Um, and really the goal was of this, if people notice, we've been trying over the years to give better access to Franklin State Forest to the open space conversation a moment ago. Um, there's a huge untapped resources. There's a lot of awesome trails. Um, it's enormous. You can really get away from the world. We built the parking lot with Rep. Roy's support um, off Beaver and Grove. At the top of Spring Street near the solar farm, there's another public parking lot up there that was part of the mitigation from that solar farm for about 15 cars. We're going to try to work with the state to put some trail maps. Um, and we just wanted to evaluate, like, what if it wasn't a road? But what if we could create a trailhead along Spring Street through the whole state forest? and maybe through our state delegation work on some financing to be able to improve the conditions of that road, which is barely a trail. It's really just a very rocky, rocky, rocky <laughs> woods. Um, but there's an opportunity there to connect to the YMCA up at Forge Park. Um, Julie did a great job on these reports and um, you know, hopefully down the line we'll hear from the Historical Commission and um, we will work with DCR uh, in the state forest folks to see if there's any way we can try to collaborate on enhancing the trail and the road on that public way. So um, check those two goals off. Thank you, Julie Jacobson. <laughs> Thank you, Jamie. Uh, and just to clarify one point because I don't want people to get the wrong impression that might just be listening. When you say the National Guard is on site, the National Guard isn't there with trucks and tanks no. and all of this. Right. And there's one National Guards person or two, uh, depending upon the day, they're helping. For about six hours a day, um, you know, just try to do whatever they can to try to help the families um, and connect the dots. So we're very grateful for that. Um, we could use more. Um, so we're hopeful that Rep. Roy and Senator Roush can um, help us with that. I'm sure they will, rather than listen for another 16 minutes. <laughs> you know what? If I have to vent for 16 minutes and it gets action, you don't want me to keep venting. I won't say I was falling asleep. I was not. <laughs> I was there. I was on that call. Uh, Councilor Jones. 
Uh, no, I think the answer my question. Okay. Thank you. Mr. Chair, through you, uh, so we were you frustrated that the rapid response team hasn't made it there yet? Yeah, I think I'd be remiss if I, if I said it wasn't rapid. Um, and I know that it, it, it is frustrating. Um, but, you know, I think... We can change the name. Yeah, I don't... I, I just, just the response team would be good. But I think also in, in deference to the state, you know, we all know one of the challenges statewide with this is there's not enough service providers for all the services that are needed. Um, there's no transportation services for these individuals yet. Again, I think, you know, basic food and other things, you know, have got to still be triaged. There's a lot of work to go. Um, but, um, you know, I think like the pandemic and like other emergencies, we're just trying to week by week as a team, you know, try to chip away at it. And again, I can't say enough about the hotel staff, Mickey, um, and the entire team over there. Um, you know, obviously on October 1st, we're told that um, the entire hotel will be filled. But again, I would caution people to not, we, we told this before and people didn't arrive. Right. You know, it could be throughout the whole fall. It may never matriculate, we don't know. Um, so we're trying to deal with what we see in front of us and, and if there are more families, we'll just continue our efforts at the local level and continue to advocate at the state level. Great, thank you. Any any other question? Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. To Mr. Chairman, to Jamie. Uh, Jamie, I'm getting a lot of phone calls that a lot of residents that they they realize that the winter is coming, mm -hmm. and they have some, you know, maybe they have some old jackets uh, for the kids and stuff. Uh, even that they don't, can they drop them off up there, or what, what would they? Where do you want them? It's a it's a great question. I would just ask anybody to pause, not just not going okay. up there, because well, then. There's got to be somebody to go through all the materials. I do know the Interfaith Coalition and some of the third-party nonprofits are going to communicate to the public hopefully over the next month or so. Once we evaluate the needs, how many people, um, but I know that it's on our radar. Um, and so um, hopefully in October, you know, we'll be able to get some additional messaging out and coordinate that program so um, we don't get flooded with too much or things we don't need. Um, and so. Um, but, uh, but we'll be working on that in October. So I would just pause on anybody going up there right now um, and, uh, and just wait for the queue, if you will, from, um, from some of the organizers in town. Well, that's what I told them to do anyway. I said, don't, don't do anything until we find out what's going on. But I just wanted it to be you known because I know I've got a few phone calls. Sure. Thank you, Councilor Delacco. Councilor Plager. Um, through you, Mr. Um, I have questions about the students. Mm -hmm. You said there's about 30 of them. Have they entered the school system? They have. Um, there's about 30, and it's, it's fortunately spread across all grades, so there's not really one huge impact one place. Uh -huh. um, it's been pretty flawless so far. Um, and, and have we been able to check birth certificates? That is something I, I don't know the answer to that question. I don't think that that's an issue that's going to pop up. Um, you know, if you're no, from another country, you may not. Into, but what about vaccination papers? Yeah, the, the su superintendent of schools is handling all of those issues just like they would any other child who moved to Franklin. Okay, because that's very important. That calls about that, you know, about you know, these students and maybe have, have not had their vaccinations, but I'm sure then that they are taking care of that. Yeah, I just add, you know, if anybody has any questions regarding the school-related issues, I mean, obviously, I can answer probably a little bit, but um, I've gotten a lot of emails about that. 
I really need to encourage everybody to email you know, the school administration who are, who are just obviously know the process and the requirements and the laws much better than we do, um, but they're facilitating this and they've been experiencing this um, you know, for the last month. So um, I would just encourage anybody out there that has questions on these matters to contact the superintendent's office um, and wait for further uh, directions from the superintendent. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Flagery. Councilor Chandler? Through you, Mr. Chairman, to the town administrator. I mean, obviously, we, we want to take care of people. We have a duty to educate people, definitely. Um, the one question I haven't really seen asked is, you've talked about 30 kids, but I'm going to say at 15,000 a kid, if we have 50 kids, it's 750,000. If there's 300 people at that hotel and there's 100 kids, it could be 1.5 million. I mean, so I'm really upset about the state because we don't know if we're getting that money. I mean, if we have to come up with 1.5 million, never mind 750, there's five firefighters, five police officers, and five DPWs going home the next day. I just, I'm very frustrated with that. And I, Understand, understand, understand I understand that's, that's reality for us, though. Right. Because we have, to, we have a duty to educate the kids. But, I mean, those numbers I'm throwing around are not crazy numbers if there was 100 kids. They're, they're right on the money at 15,000 a kid. We've been given some preliminary okay, information, but nobody can tell us when. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> the good news is, so there's some good news and bad news, and I think I, Councilor Chandler, I think, asked a question that many people are curious about. <laughs> Um, the state has already approved, in a former piece of legislation, um, $104 a day per child for reimbursement. Okay, so if you add that up over the course of a you know full school year, that's about $17,000, $18,000 per child. So theoretically, that is going to cover the cost of those children. What what the what the what you know that's already been appropriated in a separate piece of legislation. Um, we've all been getting that citation out of the administration through DESE, and there's a dedicated person, by the way, that is uh, collaborating um, with, um, uh, with the superintendent schools from the Department of Education. Um, I think the question from local officials is, you know, when is that going to come in? Um, what's the requirements? If a student leaves in the middle of the year, how does that flow? And I think we also have to give the state some time to work through a lot of these dynamics. Um, these are challenging situations. We're at a meeting today with Norfolk County. The town of Plainville has two hotels. Um, I think the town of Westboro has three hotels. Um, so there are other communities that are dealing with larger populations. I think Dedham has a couple as well. Um, and so those questions, Councilor Chandler, that you're asking are, are obviously amplified even that much more in other communities than here. Um, but they have committed to that. And like every year, um, October 1st is like kind of the enrollment deadline, if you will, for the school year. And so they're basing that number off your enrollment as of at least October 1st. <coughs> Post-October 1st, we've asked the question, and I know that Jeff, excuse me, Representative Roy and Senator Roush have asked the same questions out of the administration. Um, everything we're asking, by the way, um, everything we're asking here tonight or, or to ourselves at home or with our families, the state representative and state center are asking the same questions. We've confirmed that in the last couple of weeks. Um, and so when do those payments, well, what if a student comes in December? 
uh, or next March. Um, but you know, the state's dealing with the triage today, so maybe they can't answer those questions yet. But they have funded and committed to $104 per day per child as reimbursement, which about comes out to about $17,000, $18,000 a year, which is about the town of Franklin. I think it's pretty much right on the town of Franklin's per pupil cost. But that happens to be the statewide per pupil cost in the aggregate. The only thing I, I would add to that is, or concern, because I asked the question uh, during our phone call with uh, Senator Rauch and Rep Roy, and that is, what if some of these kids, or one of these kids, or a group of them, need special education, Excellent. special, <coughs> require special uh, instruction of some one kind or another. Where does that money come from? And that's the number probably that scares me more than anything as we sit here now, because that can be a very large number. And the only answer I've been able to get today is that there may be a thousand uh, dollar adjustment to that 104 number, or that $17,000 number, there may be another $1,000 that could be there. But that's not definitive. And to Jamie's point and to Councilor Chandler's point, uh, the, one of the bigger questions that we continue to ask is, okay, if this is what we're going to get, when are we going to get this? And nobody can give us that answer. And the legislature, our, our legislative body, uh, Rep. Roy, uh, Senator Rouse, are asking that question on a weekly basis. But we need to give the state some time to kind of go through all of this. But at some point, hopefully, we'll get the answers to the five pages of questions that we submitted. Thank you, Mr. Chief. Any other questions? Okay. Uh, we are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.